End Times. This is Norman. Got somebody else with me, Andrew Harrison, that Andrew has a very, very strong interest in end times things. Andrew's done a lot of diving into the Bible. He's an author, and so he's the sort of person who has made a lifetime of seeing what the Bible says. So Andrew and I are carrying on through this fascinating topic. You refer to your novel, Death and Hades which is talking about this time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was curious when I was exploring it that you actually say in your novel, which presumably is your imagination, I mean, this is not scriptural or anything, but in your imagination, London was no longer the capital of the UK, Mm -hmm. but was taken over by Stonehenge. Yes. Now, I know Stonehenge well, and that aroused my curiosity. Why on earth Stonehenge, Andrew? I considered that London could be devastated as a result of a meteor falling into the sea. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I placed it in that position. So that would wipe out London. 
Yeah. And then as people rebuild, and in a paganistic kind of climate, because Revelation tells us that the new Babylon that is going to be built, wherever that will be, and it would only be the beginning of the process here, it is full of sorcery. So it, it's connected with trade all over, but also morality or immorality, and it practices sorcery, and that impacts the entire globe. So I thought... Devastation, London destroyed, witchcraft, sorcery, Stonehenge, quite near London. Rebuilding of cities, perhaps a city will be established around Stonehenge, a new makeshift city which becomes stronger and stronger. So it was just an idea that came to my mind. And then Stonehenge is packaged, so witchcraft will take place there. You'd have the Druids, as you do already. And there'll be a centre set up at the side called the Celtic Cross Building. And um, the mayor of Stonehenge City is very, very powerful. And it's the main capital of the whole of the British Isles in my novel. So it's really trying to connect the rebuilding with the dominance of witchcraft, spirituality being anti-Christian, and um, the link with New Babylon in the future. Mm. That's yeah. where it came from. Yeah, interesting. The echoes of Wessex. Wessex being most of the south part of England, being a very dominant kingdom, as opposed to the north, which was an array of random tribes who were always fighting each other. Having been born in the south of England, I tend to, in a way, associate myself with being a man of Wessex. My father was in the Wessex Brigade, which was an army organisation that spearheaded the invasion of Normandy, Germany, during the 1944 time. Arthurian King Arthur legends mm -hmm. go back to Winchester and other places along the south and King Arthur was legend rather than necessarily real although some people do actually attribute real locations to him so I sort of thought yeah okay come on you southerners we'll, <laughs> we'll show them a little bit so I was curious with your Stonehenge, but I, I follow your imagination. Yeah, and I like Stonehenge. I've visited it several times. It oh, yes. fascinates me, just the age and what it must have been used for. I, I do think it's a fascinating place. I to used go. to drive past it regularly. We're in different climates, particularly on a bleak, misty day, and, you know, the sort of the romance of the area hmm. to stop and walk over that of expanse. It's an interesting area. So the same novel, Death and Hades, which is written in script form because it was used for the Chinese to do role play as they were learning English. So it was written as an actual script. And um, it's focused mainly on Cornwall, which also fascinated me. I travelled to Cornwall with my son deliberately to check out the landmarks that I'd already picked out for my book on a map and to visit the actual places. And then I finished the book after that. 
and um, just fascinated me. And of course, Cornwall has a strong connection with witchcraft as well. Very much so. Yeah, so it's um, very fascinating. Yes, so you were noting Tadjil. Yes. And when you get up onto the bleakness of Bodmin Moor, mm-hmm. you start mm. beginning to believe the Cornish piskies <laughs> and so on. Yes, definitely an area of uh, dubious witchcraft. So, a rebuilding. A rebuilding takes time. We, we talked about the seven years, but seven years is only really part of it. It's not a, mm. the actual time between the rapture and the day of the Lord. Day of the Lord. It takes place within that period, but yes, it's not, but it's not it's limited not only, to. It's not limited to seven years. A lot of people who have studied the last days, they tend to try to simplify it, I think, and simplify it too much, where you're really putting words into the Bible's mouth, so to speak. But the Bible doesn't say there is only seven years between the rapture and the day of the Lord at all. It just mentions two different three-and-a-half-year periods. And there's different opinions about where you locate them. But um, as far as I can see, this three and a half years plus three and a half years comes after the rapture, after Jesus' parousia, when he comes and takes his people away with him off the earth. The first three and a half years is when two special prophets come, and the second one is where the Antichrist is persecuting the new Christians and cutting their heads off if they don't receive the mark of the beast. I think we've come to the end of our exploring. I feel that it's time for a prayer and a prayer for people to come to a realisation of a need for belief in Jesus because they should be ready for the rapture and in no way would I wish anybody into this period of time between the rapture and the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's my general feeling. Yeah. So, would you like to pray, or shall I pray? You go ahead. Lord, I feel very conscious of our responsibility as a Christian radio station to proclaim our Christianity in a positive, strong, fearless way. Thank you, Lord, for the voice that you have given Your word says, go into all the world and announce the good news. And Lord, we have that responsibility of announcing it. And Lord, I just pray that those who are listening to my words now might realise their need of a saviour and might come to you before it's too late. Because I would not want anybody I meet to miss the rapture. I wouldn't wish upon anybody the difficulties and the devastation that Andrew and I have been talking about after the rapture, before the day of the Lord. And so, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, give flame strength to burn brightly and continue to announce the good news. And perhaps in an old-fashioned way of saying it, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And not only hear, but take positive steps forward to turn to Jesus and to look into the loving eyes of Jesus and to find in him all that they need that at some time in the future either death will call or we will meet the Lord in the air in the clouds and we will greet him and he will greet us 
I pray that for all of those within the sound of my voice and of Andrew's voice, because we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Surf the web Turn on the news Same old story Every day Hateful words We all use So much anger So much pain I don't know If you I don't know if you believe in hell But I bet we can agree that the devil is alive and well Alive and well From the darkest prison to the largest church Sometimes for fortune, sometimes for fame It's ironic that some of the worst things 